podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. The Bosco's boys are back. It's Grant KSU, and I'm Skyping in with Mr. Scott Wildcat. Um, what up, what up, what up? How's it going? It's it's part three of four of the opposing team series, and we're focusing on probably the biggest gauntlet of our schedule, in my opinion. we got Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and TCU. Are you ready Oof. for them, Scott? It's going to be tough. Um, it is It is going to be tough. Uh Spoiler alert, I don't think any of them are going to pick the Cats to win. Um, and the reason why I say spoiler alert, well, no. I, I, I'll just I'll just let you guys listen to that. Just, just listen in and see. Uh, you know, I've had a lot of fun talking to all these people. We've gotten some really fun folks on. You got to speak with South Dakota State broadcaster. Uh, we've gotten to bring on a, a, a couple of my Twitter friends. We'll have... Uh, fun one with Iowa State. We might even get a family member to represent KU and some rivals guys, some of their podcast guys. Uh, this is some fun stuff that I didn't even envision when we were starting this podcast. Uh, and I guess I won't speak for you, but this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been fun watching the show kind of evolve as we go and learning new things. And there's a couple things I'd like to talk about. One being something that we've kind of neglected for a while, Scott. What time is it? You know what time it is? Just listen to this real quick. Boom! It is is the beer of the pod. It I've got a beer. Neglected. I've got a beer of the pod that I'm surprising you with. Well, I mean, what is that? It's really not much of a surprise, but I had a long, uh, emotionally taxing day at work, and I had to stop off and pick up my favorite Boulevard beer, the Tropical Pale Ale. It's my absolute favorite. It's got a sexy can, delicious beer. It describes me perfectly on the can: fresh, exotic, and fruity. I absolutely love it, and that's the beer of the pod. What are your thoughts? Uh, love tropical pale ale. Uh, I don't. It's not my favorite Boulevard beer, but it is probably in my top five. Um, we haven't been able to do beer of the pod mainly because we've been taping many episodes over the course of uh, weeks and we've been apart. But hopefully, once we get a little bit in more into our uh, rotation, we will do that. Um, I will say that after the fan series, the very first podcast after that it will not have a beer of the pod um we have a special guest i'm not going to say who uh i'll let the uh boneheads out there stew on that for a little bit but it's going to be big i can't wait for it uh you know it's gonna it's gonna be a lot of fun and then before you know it we're almost into football season and boneheads let us know what you want the podcast to look like in football season i think grant and i we had the vision of doing a uh, preview episode and then a review episode uh, coming at you around two times a week. Uh, what would you guys like to see included in those? Do you want to ask questions about the game? Do you want us just to rant? Is there any specific stuff you'd like to hear us talk about? Uh, we'll hopefully be bringing back the keys to the from oh, basketball yeah. season. Uh, so we'll uh, hopefully be bringing those back. But outside of all, outside of that, let us know what you would like to see. 
Uh, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, we have the email, boscosboyspod at gmail. Uh, and then speaking of all of that, I've been quite pleased with the uh, Twitter interactions for our contest. Oh, they've been good. There's been a lot of traffic there. A lot of traffic. We've had a lot of fun, a lot of fun reviews. Uh, if you're listening to this right when it comes out, you're going to have a little bit of time. I We will be doing the drawings on August 1st, um, and then I will be reaching out to you either via email or Twitter, depending on the medium that you have communicated with us at, uh, and getting our choices of prizes. And then I will do an announcement on the Twitter account of the winners and what they chose. And then after that, you all the boneheads will have the ability to purchase a little bit of the leftover swag. We will have those leftover limited edition tank tops. We will have those koozies for sale. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, also keep an eye to Twitter account. I'm trying to acquire a parking pass for a game. Uh, and we might be having a little bit of a Bosco's Boys tailgate party uh, for one of the non-con games. So keep your eyes glued to Twitter. And if that happens, we'll also be sure to say it over the airwaves here on on the pod. So uh, is there anything else you want to broadcast to all of our very loyal fr- friends, fans, and family before we jump into the opposing fan series? Oh, man, a couple things. Uh, first of all, would absolutely love a Bosco's Boys tailgate. That just gets my, that, like makes my hair stand up. Just thinking about it, that would be amazing. Uh, please do reach out to us. Tell us what you want to see for the end season. Um, I think that, I mean, a, a safe choice would be two pods a week where Scott and I do a review and then a post game. But maybe we could get some of the other guests that we've had on, talk about their teams. We've made some nice connections so that we could do that. Um, but reach out to us. Let us know. Last thing I wanted to say, we got a mixer. Our sound's going to get a lot better when we do it in person. So look forward to that. Other than that, we got Oklahoma State up next. Scott, you got anything? Nope, love you guys. Thank you for joining us on this ride. Uh, things are only going to get bigger and better. Um, stay tuned for a couple other announcements that might be coming down the pike soon. All right, boys, and maybe maybe some girls get into Come, it. Yep, hell yeah, let's go team. I know Shelly Copeland's listening. Shout out to Shelly Copeland. So, <laughs> shout out to all the moms. All right, enjoy. Welcome back to Bosco's Boys. It's the third part of our opposing team series, and we're sitting here with Oklahoma State. Mr. Cullen, introduce yourself and talk about yourself. Sure. Yeah, my name's uh, Cullen Clark. I work with Big 12 Country. I don't know if you guys have heard about us, but we cover the conference as a whole. We don't not specifically tied to any school, just the, the whole conference. We do a podcast. Right now we're doing... One episode a week, basically, just going into the season previews for all the teams and discussing anything that's you know newsworthy, newsworthy, which isn't a lot at this point in the summer. Uh, as, as far as where you can find us, you can always follow us on Twitter. Our main Twitter handle is at Big12Country, and that's B-I-G-X-I-I Country. You follow me personally, my Twitter handle is Cullen underscore B12C, that is C U L L E N, B12 
C and with an underscore in front of the B. All right. Uh, awesome. We are w- one last thing. I forgot. We Sorry. just joined the Armchair All American Media Network, so check out those guys as well. We're heading that way as well. Yeah, we we will soon be uh, soon be partners over there. Um, then I will say one last thing. You guys just had on uh, two of our best friends in the K State world. You had the KSO guys, Matt Hall and Derek Young. So all the uh, K State fans listening to us, be sure to go check that podcast out as soon as you get it. Um, so we'll jump into the questions. You. Uh, uh, are the Oklahoma, well, I wouldn't say the Oklahoma State guy, but that is where your fandom began, correct? Oh, yeah, that's that's very accurate. Lifelong OSU fan. was actually born in Stillwater. Don't live there currently, but, you know, family ties run deep there, and this has always, always been an OSU fan, as long as I can remember. Yeah, so get, give us just a brief history of, you know, your fandom with Oklahoma State and how you kind of got into this uh, podcasting game over at Big 12 Country. Sure. So, fandom, I would have to say, I picked it up from my dad. He was, He's a diehard OSU fan, and, you know, bless him. He, he's dealt with some rough years for, for Oklahoma State. You know, we haven't, just recently, have they really kind of taken an upturn in football. I remember back when, even when I was in high school, you know, bowl, making a bowl game was a huge deal for Oklahoma State. Now it's kind of the expectation. You know, if you don't make a bowl game, that's absolutely a horrible season now. Uh, as far as getting into the podcasting game, actually, my co-host, uh, Corey Warren, he's the guy that came up with the idea to do it. And it was just, you know, we, we noticed a gap. There wasn't really any coverage of Big 12 Conference going on at that point. It was kind of during the, I would say, the, uh, the down spell of the Big 12 or, or kind of the laughing stock of college football. But since then, you know, like, like we've always said, the perception of the conferences in college football are cyclical. You know, it wasn't that long ago that the ACC was thought to be dead or the Big Ten, and look where those conferences are now. And I feel like the Big 12 is on the rise, so just trying to ride that back to the top. It is super cyclical. Now Pac-12 is taking all sorts of heat, and the Big 12 is definitely, in my opinion, on the rise. So going in a different direction, I really have no ill will towards Oklahoma State at all, and I always enjoy our games because they seem to be super entertaining each time, especially in the last, like, five or so years. What is your perspective of K-State football, like, historically and currently? (laughs) Well, you know, uh, I know back before Snyder took over, they were arguably the worst football team in college football history. Luckily, that also coincided with me being very little and young and, and not paying attention to college football, so... Really, my perception of football, of K-State football, is really tied to Coach Snyder. You know, it's a, a successful program. He's done a great job up there. It's a little bit different than the other Big 12 teams and just the style of offense they run, but, you know, known for having great defense and, and just fantastic special team play. And, you know, the special teams play usually come in and make a difference. So, little known fact, I actually – K-State was one of the schools I was interested in coming out of high school, so – Definitely, definitely like K-State. Well, it's a shame that uh, you didn't end up there, but, you know, <laughs> we'll let it pass. Uh, Oklahoma State and K-State, they've been playing, you know, since I think Oklahoma State joined to make it the Big Eight. So definitely all of our lifetimes. What are some specific memories of games or uh, just events surrounding the two schools going to combat on the heartland? Uh, of college football. 
Well, I have to say as an Oklahoma State fan, my favorite memory of K-State is them beating OU in a Big 12 championship game. <laughs> that's, one of, that's one of our favorites as well. Yeah. You know, a huge, huge uh, fan of that offense. Darren Sproles was amazing. And I think back when, you know, college football, the NCAA football games were out, that was one of my preferred teams to play with. That was a, a great team to line up and, and just go at people at the option offense and you know, who could stop Darren Sproles in that game? Exactly. Pour one out for NCAA. Yeah. Right. R.I.P. R.I.P. So what about uh, what about some games between the two? I know one game that I think of that didn't go K-State's way was that 2011 game. Uh, it came down a you know last-second drive. It didn't work out for K-State. But then, of course, they had that uh, fun little earthquake in Stillwater, and Kirk Herbstreit looked like he was about to die. So that, that's a game that sticks out to my head and then I also think about the game the next year uh, went back and forth a lot of kick returns for touchdowns are there any games between our two schools not just us beating up on Oklahoma I would say the 2011 game like you said definitely sticks out to me I mean there's there's too many to, to really go into all, all these games end up being close it seems like that's especially in Stillwater it seems like you know it always comes down to maybe a touchdown at the end or, or something along that that line, but I will say I saw an interesting stat on this earlier. In the eight years since Coach Snyder has come back, Kansas State. Well, I think the Cowboys are like five and three during that span. Kansas State has actually outscored Oklahoma State, and usually when K State wins, they win by like I think it was like seventeen points per game. Where when OSU wins, it's like five point three points per game. Whew. It's just that's a crazy stat to me. That is a crazy stat, and then. uh I'll be remiss before we move on from reminiscing of specific games. The very first away game Grant and I went together uh, was in Stillwater, the, uh, not this most recent time, but the time before that, where yeah. almost Colt Hero, uh, Cody Cook, the wide receiver, almost led us to an upset down there. Uh, after, Joe, oh, after Joe Huebner got decapitated on a play that I still don't understand wasn't a late hit, and then there's the uh, controversy with the chains. <laughs> so I, uh, that's a salty game for me. But, you know, uh, I, I, it won't be until the 2019 season. But I can't stress enough how much fun it is to take in a game at Stillwater. Well, I'll tell you something. I was at last year's game, and it, it was not very fun to be at. So oh, I'll I, I, would, that. I would have loved to be at that <laughs> except for uh, it, it, people probably who have followed me on Twitter – knew I was on the brink of having one of my biggest meltdowns of all time in that second half. Uh, but luckily, Careful, Scott. Yeah. You're almost going – you're about to go full Iowa State. Don't do it. That's not full – I, I wouldn't – no, I'm not talking about blaming referees. I'm talking about I was, I was wanting to cut the head off of Dana Dimmel. Oh, yeah. You yeah. could count, count as a million of those games. But, yeah, um, that, that's what I'm referring to. But we'll move on from the specific – that is one of actually that it's a super salty game, the twenty fifth game, fifteen game to think about. But that's one of my favorite games I've ever been to. Just going to Stillwater was a good time. Um, I totally would go back. It's a real easy trip. We should do it again. But let's look at the conference. Um, Oklahoma State won the title back in two thousand eleven, and they've made a few pushes toward it since then. How do you see the Big Twelve to- um, conference playing out this year, and who do you think will be in Arlington? Unfortunately, I see Oklahoma kind of winning the Big 12 again this year. I've been back and forth on the second team because, to me, this year, 
you know, two through like seven are pretty interchangeable. And I don't know who's going to, to in there. If I had to pick one right now, I'd probably lean TCU. But I mean, it would not shock me if it was Kansas State. It would shock me if it was, you know, I guess maybe it would shock me if it was Texas, but I, I think they are on the trend up. I don't think they're back by any means, but that's just how open I feel that that number two spot is. But if just picking a team, I want to go with TCU right now. Oh, you TCU. All right. I have rematch from uh, last year. Um, and, you know, that has been the, I think, second most talked about possible matchup. I, we've heard a lot of OU TCU and a lot of OU West Virginia. So, Hopefully, maybe one of, one of our teams can crash that party. Uh, but before we get into talking a little bit more about Oklahoma State and what they have on both sides of the ball, uh, the Gundy drama reared its ugly head again this offseason due to a uh, fun podcast interview with your AD that then blew up in this very quiet college football offseason. But what do you see the future with Gundy? Is he going to be a lifer? Or is it eventually going to get too much budding with the administration, with the donor class? And is he finally going to go from just flirting with a new job every offseason to truly taking one? Gundy's a lifer, man. Uh, I, I was worried about that up until this last bout with Tennessee. If you can walk away from all that money with all the drama that he's put up with in the last couple of years, it just feels like something's been resolved behind the doors. And I, I think it was the addition of uh, – the new assistant athletic director, I think it's uh, Weiberg, Chad Weiberg. Yeah. He's a former K-State guy. Yeah. I think he, he's the one that's actually primarily dealing with Gundy at this point. I don't think he's dealing straight with Holder. But I, I will say I, I'm on record as saying that whole this whole recent spur with Holder and Gundy is it's fake news, man. It was, it was summer. They were looking for something to talk about, you know. Should Holder have said what he said? Probably not. But in the grand scheme of things, I don't. I think it was blown totally out of proportion. So, do you think, with all that being said, do you think this will finally be the first off season, seemingly in forever, that Gundy isn't flirting with another job? Do you think, with all this stuff being resolved, he'll finally get through an off season without being linked somewhere else? No, I wouldn't say that. And, and the reason for it, I don't think he'll actually go anywhere else. But it seems like this is kind of his strategy to, you know, it's his means to an end. It's how he gets them to increase recruiting budget. It's how he gets more money for his assistant coaches. It's it's his way of actually getting stuff out of the athletic department if he needs it, as bad as that sounds. <laughs> well, it always does uh, create some fun off-season storylines. I always en- enjoy Gundy watch and see if the mullet will ever, uh, you know, okay. saddle up and leave Stillwater. Yeah, I think this is the last the last chance for that to actually happen. I think he's a lifer. I don't think they're, you know, I'm not going to say he's going to be there another 15, 20 years or anything like that, but, you know, another 5 to 10 maybe. I like Gundy. I got no issues with Gundy. Let's, let's get a little bit more specific to the Cowboys. So, <clears throat> Okie State lost some big names from last year, but they certainly had some talent still in the squad. Can you tell us one player from each side of the ball that we should know about going into the season? Sure. Not name players, right? Like other guys, not the guys that everybody would already know already. You can give us whatever you, you want. You can you can give us the you know, the headliners, or you can go deep cut. This is uh, okay. whatever well, you want. Yeah, whichever way you want to take it. I'll, I'll say this. The, 
the name you should know on offense is going to be Justice Hill, the running back from Oklahoma State. The guy's probably going to be an All-American. He ran for almost 1,500 yard, yards last year. I think like 16 touchdowns. Guy's be definitely one of the top, you know, three running backs in the conference. The guy you really should watch for that you probably haven't heard of a lot for Oklahoma State because he was buried behind James Washington on the depth chart, Tyron Johnson. He's a former five-star recruit that committed to LSU out of high school, transferred to Oklahoma State two years ago. He's going to break out this year. That's that's my fearless prediction. So he's probably the next great Oklahoma State wide receiver you're going to hear about. On the uh, defensive side of the ball, I've kind of gone back and forth. There's a couple of linebackers that I would go with. Probably the one that you're going to fear the most is going to be Calvin Bundage. He's going to be the outside linebacker. And before I get into that, the defense is shifting to a 4-2-5 this year, so there's only going to be two linebackers. But Bundage is a guy that can just wreak havoc in the pass rush. He didn't get he didn't play a whole lot last year. I mean, he, he played a decent amount, but look for him to just create terror in the Big 12 this year. But the real guy to watch for be Justin Phillips. It'll be he's his basically taking over from Chad Whitener as the kind of heart and soul of the defense. He's a freak and is probably going to be playing on Sunday. So expect a lot from him at the other line spot. So it sounds like there is quite a bit of some returning star power and some newcomers. So for that group of talent, if they're going to come into Manhattan and get a win, what would that game look like? If OSU is to win, yep. If you if you if you guys are going to beat K State, why do you think that would be? If we're going to beat K State, it's because we can actually establish. That's one thing that worries me a little bit this year. I'm sure you've heard, you know, Mason Rudolph graduated, so little uncertainty at the quarterback position. I don't know how much we can rely on that. So that's going to put a lot of pressure on the run game. And yet, as you know, and in Big Twelve, if you can't score, you can't win. So OSU is going to have to establish a run game and be able to score some points. All right. What about basically the opposite of that question? What's it going to take for K-State to beat Oklahoma State this year? Solid defense play. You know, I mean, that's what they're known for. If they can lock down that run game and force, you know, a relatively inexperienced quarterback, depending on who is eventually named a starter at Oklahoma State, force him to, you know, force some throws, create some turnovers. You know, that's what Kansas State thrives on traditionally. So for Kansas State to win, just play a strong defensive game and don't turn over the ball. All right, and then uh, we're going to get you to go on the record. Have no fear. This is only going to be cemented on podcast lore forever. If you're wrong, you will be <laughs> chastised. Everyone will know it, so no pressure. Uh, first prediction we're going to have you do is give us an official predicted score for the K-State-Oklahoma State match. I will say 31-28 Oklahoma State. All right, uh, and with that... Tell us what record Oklahoma State will finish with this year. I am going to predict they go 8-4. and four. And then we will ask you, where do you have K-State finishing? What is their record? I've been back and forth on this. I'm going to go 7-5. and five. And that's been about the range that uh, we've, we've <laughs> been getting. But I've, I've found this weird little thing when talking to fans of the other teams. Almost everyone's picking us to go anywhere between – seven and five up to maybe even nine and three, but very few people are actually predicting K-State to win it. So eventually someone's going to have to be wrong, whether it's on their <laughs> record prediction or the uh, individual game. So uh, it would my, not. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say for my personal case, I'm hoping 
some of these records are a little bit more correct versus individual scores. But I think we knew we knew the uh, type of responses we were going to get doing this, and that's that's what makes being a fan fun. So I, I I've enjoyed hearing what everyone's had to say so far. Right, I'll say it would not shock me at all if the Cowboys went up to Kansas State and lost this year. It wouldn't surprise me. Oh, and I, I don't think any result would really shock me except for a blowout on either side. I, I right. don't think these teams are capable of blowing each other out. Uh, so it, it'll be fun, and uh, who knows, maybe we'll be able to get you on a little bit closer to the game, and we'll see if uh, those predictions still hold up a few months from now. Hey, I enjoy it, man. I'm starting to think that the whole conference is going to go 7-5, 8-4. It's just like there's so <laughs> much parity. If you've talked to me, I, I, I'm preaching a big lump of eight and four teams. Yeah. Well, you know, so is, that, so is everyone else. Yeah, that that would that would sure make for a fun conference. It wouldn't uh, make for a very appealing conference when playoff time comes around. But you know what? It would sure make for a fun conference game, uh, game in game out. I think almost anything can happen this year in the Big Twelve. Definitely. All right, Colin. Well, that pretty much wraps it up. Just want to say thanks for coming on. We really appreciate you and Scott and I enjoying doing this. I think I can speak for both of us when we in saying that we love talking to these people that represent other schools. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Boneheads, be sure to check out the podcast Big 12 Country. It's big, spelled X-I-I, country. Um, I downloaded the KSA episode today. I'm looking forward to listening to it. Um, Colin, is there anything else that you want to plug or replug? Just, just give us a follow on Twitter. Follow the uh, the main handle at Big XII Country. Follow me personally at Cullen underscore B12C. And we do have a uh, Kansas State handle. Uh, I forget the name of it. I think it's at Wildcats underscore B12C. So check that out as well. Perfect. All right. Everyone go follow all those accounts. And uh, we'll, we'll be sure to keep in touch with you during the season. And, uh, Hopefully we can maybe get you on a little bit closer to game time. Thanks, guys. Enjoyed it. Perfect. Thank you. That's the end of segment one. We will be right back with the Oklahoma Sooners in segment two. Stick around. Hello, Boneheads. We're back, Bosco's boys. Uh, we're getting into uh, who undoubtedly is the favorite this year in the Big 12 Conference, the Oklahoma Sooners, who have been just the masterclass of the Big 12. We've got someone special on to talk about the Sooners, but I'll let him introduce himself. Hey, everyone. Uh, glad to be on the podcast. Uh, my name is Josh Riley, and uh, I run the uh, Sooners uh, account for Big 12 Country. Uh, if you want to, you can uh, give me a follow on Twitter at uh, Sooners underscore B12C. Uh, also, uh, give a follow to uh, our uh, main account uh, if you if you do not um, already, uh, and and that is uh, at a big XII country. So it's uh, Big Twelve country. Yep, and uh, we also we have one of your had one of your compatriots on to do the Oklahoma State version of this. 
So uh, if everyone who's listening to this doesn't already get the vibe, I'm a big fan of your guys' podcast. I actually just discovered it this offseason. It's a great listen. Uh, anyone who's given our podcast a listen should go check them out. Uh, you guys had on two of our very good friends, uh, Matt Hall and Derek Young, to talk about K-State earlier uh, this week, I believe it dropped. So we're big fans of you guys, and we're happy to have you on. Uh, we'll, we'll jump into it now. Uh, can you give me just a brief history, A, of your fandom, how you became an OU fan, and then also how you got into the podcasting game, the media game with Big 12 Country? Sure. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm relatively young in, in the grand scheme of things. I'm 29 years old, so uh, I haven't been a, an OU fan for as long as a lot of folks out there. But, um, you know, I just remember as a child, uh, you know, my mom's family was a uh, Sooners fans. Uh, my dad uh, was a, a Poke fan. And uh, growing up, my, my dad tried to um, make us Pokes, uh, me and my brother, when we were little boys. But ultimately, my mom's side of the family uh, won, won us over, and um, we, were, we were Sooners. So uh, I, I guess, you know, really watching OU football, the, <clears throat> the first season that I can really remember watching was um, that, that 1999 season. Um, so... I've been watching religiously um, since since then for uh, you know 19 years now I guess so I've had a lot of fun fun watching OU football and following OU football and, and uh, I, I love it. Yeah, and that's that's a heartbreaking uh, season from a K State perspective to start following them because that was the first year of the uh, Bob Soups era right after he poached a bunch of coaches from K State and some uh, some blamed that collapse versus A and M the '98 championship game which cost us shot a national title on that but i won't i won't be sour grapes this entire time (laughs) but you so you say you start you start vividly remembering following starting in 99 uh k-state and oklahoma they've been in the same conference for all the basically the history of time and definitely both of our fandom what is your perspective of k-state football over the years uh being on the outside being ou fan and your perspective of the cats over these years you know k-state is is that team that's tough you know they're they're that team that's they're going to grind it out um they're going to wear you down and, and they're going to smash you in the mouth and that that's kind of the, the perspective of k-state from my end they're they're just some tough cats um you know they may not have all the talent in the world but oftentimes they, they've they've got some really good guys i mean sproles over the years sproles and Lockett and and those types of guys i mean just amazing athletes but but um you know, typically not the, the team you think of that's going to be super flashy, the team that's going to stick to the fundamentals, uh, the teams that are going to, uh, you know, not, not make a lot of mistakes, and, and they're, going to, they're going to try to beat you in that way. Yeah, and, you know, that's been a theme that we've been hearing going through this process, and it's kind of interesting to see how different fans have viewed KSA over the years. Uh, now we'll jump into uh, some, j- just to talk a little bit about memories that you have of K-State and Oklahoma playing uh we both probably have vastly different memories of games that we enjoy i mean i think of 2003 one of the most glorious games of my Uh. life being a k-state fan and uh i think about you know the 2012 game in norman 2014 in norman sadly it's been far too long since i've actually been able to witness k-state beat oklahoma in manhattan so you have probably happier memories of uh coming to manhattan but what are some of the games that stick out when you think of these two sides playing? You know, um, I thought about this earlier, and 
you know, you brought it up. The game that sticks out the most was that 35 to seven beatdown uh, in the Big 12 championship. You know, um, I, I don't know why. I just that one sticks out the most to me. Um, even though obviously OU lost, um, that's that's the, the the heartbreaker. You know, I mean, we, we still went on to play for the national title. Should have won the national championship. Should have beat LSU, but you know, should have, could have, woulda. Um, uh, Colin Klein stands out. Um, <laughs> You know that year. Um, you know last year. Um, last year had me nervous. Last year was a good game, and um, you know up until halftime, I was I was pretty nervous. <laughs> so it's a lot of good games, man. There's there's been a lot of good. I think actually that that 2003 year in the regular season we played uh, Kansas State, and it was 20 24 27 24. I think maybe it was it was a close game. Um, and which oh, oh you go ahead. Um. Anyway, uh, you know, you had won the earlier matchup in the Big Twelve game. I think you might be switching a couple years up. They oh, did oh, not, oh, I think you're. You, are you thinking of 2000 in which yeah, you guys yeah, came yeah. came to Manhattan? Uh, yeah, held on after a furious comeback, and then also turned around and all won Arrowhead later that season. So yeah, yeah. I was actually going to just to even out the. Uh, heartbreaking losses and all that stuff. I was going to bring up that season, and uh, our friends at KSO had have done a retro series in which they've gone back and talked about each bowl season under Bill Snyder. And the 2000 game was uh, quite heart uh, quite a uh, heartbreaking podcast to listen to. Uh, so I just thought I'd even out our pain a little bit as we continue to stride through this together. Uh, so those are some of the memorable games that uh, have gone on between the two schools. Uh, we're going to dive into a couple uh, one-off questions, and then we'll get into the meat of this year. We'll stop talking past. But before we do that, uh, what what is your prediction? How do you ultimately see the Big 12 playing out this year? Who's going to play in Arlington, and who ultimately will end up winning this conference? Uh, I'm going to stick with the favorite. Um and uh, obviously my team, the Sooners, um, I think they're ultimately going to uh, win the conference. Um, as far as who they play, uh, you know, part of me wants to say Texas um, because Texas has all the talent. I just have so many questions with Texas. Um, part of me wants to say West Virginia, but, man, they had a, a lot of guys on defense that are that are uh, not – not able to play this season, left for whatever reason. Um, they're missing a lot of guys. Um, you know, Kansas State has a real shot uh, at, at being there. Um, OSU, I think, is going to be down. So it's really, it's really tough to say, man. I think it's, I think it's wide open. You know, I'm, I'm going to go with Texas. Uh, I'm going to go with Texas because, you know, I think they've got the talent, and I think if they, although you know they, they have so many questions, I think. I think they have the talent to answer the questions. Uh, so I'm going to go with Texas and, and OU in uh, round round two, and I think um, I think OU wins on both though this year. Yeah, I I do like hearing you being a little bit conf- more confident in Texas's team. I've been saying Texas is going to be quote unquote back this year, so we'll we'll see what happens. Um, going on to that, you guys were able to move from Bob Stoops straight into Lincoln Riley. Uh, do you think Lincoln really is going to be the long-term solution, or do you think he is just riding the high of being handed the keys 
to one of the most talented rosters in the country and just being able to let the car drive itself? Well, I think he's a solution, uh, and, and here's why. Um, Lincoln Riley has been recruiting – uh, you know the last the last three years, um, particularly on the offensive side of the ball uh, in 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 year one, uh, but the last two seasons on both sides of the ball, uh, the recruiting is off the charts. I mean you I mean you obviously you know are are seeing what what he's able to pull in uh, and ha- have top ten classes um, the last two seasons and you know sitting here right now at uh, the number three class um, with uh, you know, four or five less guys committed than than Alabama and A and M and and uh, uh, man, the, the classes that he's pulling in is amazing. Better better recruiting than OU's had um, since the early 2000s. Um, and and you know, OU was dominant. You know, in those in the early 2000s. Um, uh, man, the 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 2000 2000 you know through through 2008 Sooners team was was amazing. I mean, played for. Four national titles in that span, an eight-year span. Um, so they were super dominant, and I think that's the type of recruiting that Lincoln's doing. Um, people love him. You know, obviously offensively, he's able to pull quarterbacks. He can pull the elite receivers. Um, you know, Beanbow's pulling the um, uh, uh, elite uh, linemen. Um, but the defensive recruits like him as well. Uh, and they love him, and he has a, a a good relationship with a lot of those defensive recruits. And I guess you don't see that a lot. You know, a lot of times, um, you know, it's mostly for an offensive guy. I guess you don't really see that a lot from an offensive guy like Lincoln Riley. You know, he a lot of times your offensive guys only want to focus on the offense, and they'll let the the you know the defensive coordinators um, uh, do a lot of the recruiting on their own. But he's he's right in there with with everybody, um, and and and. You know the relationship he's building with them, getting on the phone with guys and things like that. You know, so I think he's, I think he's building something special. Of course, you know, of course I'm biased and and uh, try not to be a homer too much uh, about the Sooners, and I, I try to look at it objectively. But um, you know, we all love our teams, and we're passionate about them. But I, but I think he's the guy. I think he's, I think he's the guy. I think he's, he's making good hires um, also. So I, I think he's the guy. That's good. And if he is the guy, he will probably be at the helm at Oklahoma when the Big 12 grant of rights eventually expire of the remaining 10 teams in the conference, uh, Oklahoma granted under uh, a different leadership at university president, but they have been the most vocal when it comes to displeasure, almost like a wandering eye of the current Big 12 teams. When the grant of rights expire, do you, are you thinking that the wandering eye will come back? Or in your opinion, is OU committed to the long-term health of the Big 12 even after the next grant of rights expire? You know, that's really tough to say. Uh, you know, there are times I thought, oh, they're, they're gone. They're gone. They're, 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 going to the, they're going to the Big 10. Um, and then there are times I'm like, no, they're going to stay together. Now, my understanding is looking at um, revenue, you know, revenue's fine. And, and my understanding is that the, the, the 10 schools in the Big 12 – are making more money than they ever made. Uh, so it, it seems like things are maybe not as bad as as some played out to be, but then again, I don't really know all the details, and I don't think any of us do, um, you know, unless we're we're in those conversations, you know, with, um, you know, Big 12 commissioner and, and with uh, school presidents and things like that. But, uh, you know, I, I, think they, I, think they, I think they hold on. I think they hold on. 
belong to the Big 12. I, I heard once, and I think it was David Bourne, of course, you know, other president, said that, that OU and OSU would go together wherever they went if they went. Um, I, I don't see Big Ten taking OSU, um, to be honest. I, I mean, I just don't. Um, and I'm not sure the SEC would take OSU either, so you kind of wonder where they would where they would fit at. Um, I, I, I think I think they try to keep it together. I think I think Texas and OU will will come together as the big dogs, I guess, of, of the conference. You might say, uh, and and try to pull something together. I think I think it sticks together, to be honest. Well, good. I, I was curious to hear what your perception of that is. And while we move away from looking, you know eight years in the future we'll talk about right now uh who should k-state fans be really looking at on ou's roster one one guy from the offensive end one guy from the defensive end really through the early parts of the conference schedule the non-con schedule leading up to the matchup later on in the fall Uh, offensive side of the ball of course um kyler murray um you know i think everybody is is kyler too easy of an answer (laughs) No, it's, it's, it's definitely not. And uh, I, I'm going to, since you brought him up, I'm going to jump ahead. I had a sub point I was going to ask about that. But when it comes to Kyler Murray, how surprised were you or how surprised were Oklahoma fans, A, when he went, you know, in the early part of the first round to the A's in the uh, Major League Baseball draft? And then how surprised were you after that that it, it came out quite quickly that, hey, no, he is 100% coming back for one at least one more season playing football was that was any of that surprising to you guys because i know when i saw that come through i was like all right well he's he's not gonna stick around yeah i think a lot of ou fans were surprised that he went so early in the draft um and so that kind of scared people initially because before it was like well you know he won't go that early uh the money won't be that that great you know so it won't be as tempting for him to leave um and he'll be back but then to go that early uh, and to get that 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 size of a contract, uh, I think it had <laughs> some fans worried. Uh, but I think a lot of people also, um, although they may have been slightly worried uh, about that, they they knew that Kyler had said before, "Hey, I came here to to win a national championship," um, and I think that's what he wants to do. And he and he said um, what he what he said last year. He said, "I was I was born." to do this i was born to play football i was born to win a national championship so uh something along those lines don't quote me on that (laughs) Uh, but um uh he he so so i think a lot of people knew that he would be back he would be back at least for one more season i think and that's what he said i'll I'll be back for one more season i'm going to do this thing so um i wasn't surprised uh i think some people may have been surprised i wasn't surprised that he that he decided to come back for another season because that's what he wanted to do so on, on Kyler Murray, on the gridiron, you're going from a Heisman Trophy uh, winner, one of my favorite guys to play in the recent years of the Big 12. What type of a different offense are we going to see, or what type of different quarterback is Kyler compared to Baker, and uh, how much of a step back is it realistically going to be? You know, I don't think the step back is that is that great. You know, there's there's obviously some differences in their game. Um, I mean, they're both smaller guys. You know, not your not your six foot you know four six foot five you know typical um, uh, elite quarterbacks. They're both they're both on the smaller end. Um, you know, Baker has that toughness. He has that grit. He has that that tenacity and that attitude. 
um, that cockiness uh, in a in a way that that he he carries. Um, Kyler Kyler doesn't have that because Kyler has always been the best athlete, right? Everywhere Kyler's been, he's been he's been the best athlete. Whether he's playing baseball, whether he's uh, playing football, whether he's uh, running, um, he's been the best athlete. So um, for him, he's always been the best, uh, and and I, and I don't really see that. Um, uh, in Kyler to try and, and prove himself um, like Baker did, so I like that aspect of Baker's game, and I and I think that I think that that aspect won Oklahoma a lot of football games. I'm going to be honest: if if Baker Mayfield's not the quarterback, um, and you and you can have another really good quarterback, but if it's not Baker Mayfield, Oklahoma doesn't have the success they have the last few years, um, not even close. Um, but with that being said, Kyler is probably the fastest guy on OU's football team and, and could be the fastest guy in the Big 12 or on any football team in the country. Um, so that dynamic is something that completely changes. Baker could run the ball, you know, and he could pick up some needed yardage, but he wasn't Kyler. Kyler can flat out move. When you have a quarterback that runs a 4-2-40, that's very, very, very scary for opposing defenses. Yeah, I, I'm already having nightmares. Yeah, about it. you know when you think about it, and you, and you and you're you're playing defense against Baker Mayfield, um, you know you can you can drop more guys into coverage than you can against Kyler Murray. In my opinion, if I'm a defensive coordinator and I'm playing against Kyler Murray, there is a there is a middle linebacker spying Kyler Murray every single play. There's there is absolutely no way that I'm dropping that many people into coverage. You you you've got to have someone in the middle of the field watching him. So we, we it's such so, a different game, you know what I'm saying? When he, I mean, I mean, he's going to get six, seven, eight yards before you before you even know it. You know what I mean? And and I think that's huge. Kyler has a strong arm too. It's not, it's it. You know, it may not be as strong as other people's arms, but he ha- he has a pretty decent arm. We've seen last year he threw 22 passes, I think, last year, completed eight, 18, 19 of them, something like that. Um, and he had some bombs. You know, he threw some deep passes, and and so. Uh, he threw some nice out out routes and things like that. So he's got a good arm and, and he can play. Um, again, he's he's not Baker Mayfield. I mean, but he's got a difference to his game that I think is going to be harder to defend. So that's who we should watch on offense. I think the entire country is going to be watching sure. him. And I think you guys will have a lot of uh, viewers out in the Bay Area watching <laughs> anxiously. Yeah. Uh, but who who should we be watching on the defensive end? You know, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, I think a lot of people's looking to see Buki and, and see what, what Buki does this year as a true freshman, you know, five star, uh, recruit. Uh, what's he going to do? I think they're going to put him at nickel and run a lot of nickel base. Um, <clears throat> you know, he's one I'd keep an eye on. But the one I'm most interested in, in seeing and, and I think is going to be a next level player for Oklahoma. Uh, and since I'm saying this, I hope he does, <laughs> uh, end up being, and that's Trey Brown. Uh, Trey Brown, you know, he's out of uh, 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 Oklahoma. Um, he was a true freshman last year, uh, did not redshirt, uh, played in a couple games, ended up getting a, a start or two in um, towards the end of the season. Um, another guy on the team that is, uh, you know, 4'3", um, or better speed, one of the fastest guys. I mean, he has speed for days. Um, really, really, really talented kid. Um, I, I think he's he, he's made a lot of strides from what I understand, um, you know, since seasons ended uh, through spring camp and, and over the course of the summer so far. 
Uh, I, I hope those strides can continue to fall camp. I think he's going to end up being an elite uh, defensive back in the Big 12. So watch out for Trey Brown. I'll keep my eye on him. And you, you laid out the two big guys, both on offense and defense, to be watching for. So now I just want to hear uh, your thoughts. Uh, what is the game going to look like for you guys to beat K-State? Honestly, I think uh, most people are feeling it'll go that way, so I don't think it'll take too much. But in, in your words, what is the game going to look like for OU? Yeah, I don't think the game's going to look like it did last year. Um, to be honest, I think I think it's uh, a little more broken open than it was last year. Um, defensively, I just got a lot of confidence that uh, uh, Mike Stoops made the changes he needs to make. He's got the talent now. Uh, he's got guys. We had a lot of guys playing out of position last year because of injuries and depth, and it just caused a lot of issues. But you know, they were the best guys to put on the field. Um, I think people are back in position this year, notably um, uh, Caleb Kelly um, running the nickel with with uh, Buki, um, and uh, I think the defense is going to look a lot better. We're not going to give up as many points. Um, going to keep them off the field, keep our offense on the field more. Kyler Murray is going to be tough to beat. Those receivers for OU, um, man, they're good. They're they're really really good. Very talented. Um, uh, I don't think Kansas State's going to be able to um, slow down the offense, um, and, and I think OU will will win this one pretty big. Uh, and then the off chance of K State pulling off an upset, what would they have to do? What would that game look like if K State were to pull one? Yeah, if K State were to pull one off, um, I think they would they would uh, definitely need to con- contain Kyler, um, play play good coverage in the back end. Um, Force OU to be one-dimensional, you know, probably try to run the ball. Um, we got good running backs and got a good line. But uh, if you're one-dimensional, it doesn't matter how good you are, um, you can be stopped. Uh, on the um, uh, offensive side of the ball, uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I think they've got to um, uh, try and, and, and expose us somewhere. Um, I don't know where that's going to be at right now. It may, it may be at the corner position. You know, we had a lot of issues last year at the corner position. Uh, we got exposed there, um, which then allowed the uh, the running game to uh, open up against us a few times. Uh, middle linebacker out of position. Um, so, you know, you catch those young backers. OU is very young. They got a lot of young backers. Catch those young backers um, out of position, uh, maybe some, some off-direction uh, plays and things like that. I think that uh, the running game um, um, might, might be where – where K-State finds a dub. All right, and we're going to get you to go on the record. This is going to be put in cement. We're going to broadcast it all over the world, so no pressure. But if you're wrong, you will be ridiculed for the rest of your life. So three quick predictions. First, give me the official score of the K-State-Oklahoma game. It's going to be uh, 42-14. Ooh. That's a big one. That's a that is a big one. That's the biggest loss someone's predicted for K State this season. But you know that's that could be fair. I think OU might be the best team on K State schedule this season. Um, give me OU's record this year. Um, you want uh, you want just regular season or give, give, give me regular season first. Uh, man, I'm gonna, I'm, 
I'm going to say 11 and 1. You know, I want to say 12 and 0, but you know what? <laughs> there's always that one game. It seems, All right, so you, it seems like there's always so that you, one game. So you said 11 and 1. You already predicted them to win the Big 12, so that's going to give you 12 and 1. So I'm going to ask a, an extra question. Go on the record. Does that mean Oklahoma gets back to the college football playoff this year? Yeah, Oklahoma gets back to the playoff. All right, and then. Here's here's the next question. Do they win their semifinal? Um, you know, someone asked me um, about the drop off in the offense, and I said I think the offense will 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 take a little bit of a, of a drop, but if the offense drops ten to fifteen percent and the defense picks up ten to fifteen percent, we beat Georgia. Um, last year, you know, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. All right. So we're going to take it one step farther. Are you right now predicting in front of the entire world, our millions of listeners, uh, that Oklahoma wins the national title this year, bringing a title back to the big play? I'm going to say no. Ah, oh, you went this far, and this is what you need to say now. <laughs> I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. It, it's tough, you know. I mean, it, you got to you gotta play at an elite level, game in, game out. Um, and, and when you get to that, that part of the season, there's there's no room for error, you know. Um, you know, we've watched it with Alabama. We, we've seen Alabama slip up, but, you know, here and there, and then just turn right around and, and – and, uh, you know, run the table and, and just absolutely play flawless almost. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, although you might say last year the national title game, they didn't, they didn't play flawless and they had to bring in uh, their backup quarterback who <laughs> who came in and won the game for them, which was amazing. But, you know, man, it's just it's just tough. It's hard to say, you know. You don't know. You know, you just, you just don't know. I, I don't know. I, 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 my, money's on, my money's on Georgia. Um, Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma. Um, those are those are three, and, and possibly Clemson. So a complete complete redo from the playoff. Oh, yeah, I mean it's it's tough to say, but you know that's kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, it's just, I mean the rich get richer. You know, it just seems like the rich get richer, and and those were the four rich teams last year, and. Man, National Signing Day, those those four teams got richer, and, I mean, things are looking good for them, for all of them, uh, you know, this offseason. So it's it's tough. Um, you know, I was looking at some odds the other day. Let's see if I can if I can find it real quick if we got if we got time. Uh, here, I'll pull it up on my phone. See if I can find it here. These are the latest national championships. Yeah, there were some there were some odds, and, and we were we were talking about you know we've got our our um, our Big Twelve group, and we have our our group message, and you know we we put stuff in there, and then we start debating it, things like that. So, um, someone had posted the uh, the odds in there, and so everybody started talking about it, and uh, so I'm I'm gonna find it right here. And then, I, and obviously, I'm pretty sure it had it had uh, Alabama up there. But here we go. I think as long as they better, they should probably be up there. 
Okay, so so yes, uh, to make the playoff, Alabama at a two fifty negative one thirty, Ohio State at plus one fifteen, Georgia at plus one ninety. So they have Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia as their top. Uh, Washington at plus three hundred, Michigan at three fifty, Wisconsin at four, Auburn four seventy five, Oklahoma four seventy five, Penn State five, Michigan State at six. Then a three-way tie with Miami, Notre Dame, and Texas at 650. So well, none, none of that sounds too crazy, and uh, you know it's all the usual suspects. Mm-hmm. But you know, as a, as someone looking from the outside, I hope hope someone can crash the party and uh, have a little fun. I wouldn't mind someone uh, crashing the party either, honestly. Oh, you yeah. know, for me last year that 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 team was um, uh, you know UCF. Uh, so. We'll have, we'll have to get you on a little bit later in the season and see if these play out a little bit. Before I let you go, we have been asking everyone, what are you predicting K-State to go this year, regular season? Seven and five. Seven, yep, and that's just about – that's where I have them. That's where just about everyone does. Uh, so you're, you're not going on, out on too big of a limb there. Uh, I do want to thank you for coming on. I've had a lot of fun, like I said, hopefully – we can link up again later in the season a little bit closer to the game. Uh, before we sign off, give everyone just one more time where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find you on the podcast Airwaves, and uh, we'll direct everyone your way. Sure. Uh, guys, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Sooners underscore B12C. Um, you can also follow us at Big XII Country, so Big 12 Country. Um, and we are also, uh, just recently, um, uh, became affiliated with, uh, armchair. So. So that's perfect. And, uh, like I said, hopefully we can link up again in the season. Best of luck to you guys. Best of luck to the Sooners. And, uh, I'll just say this. If you guys are going to just go ahead and make it to the playoff again, you should just, you know, go ahead and win the whole thing. Hey, hey, I'm. I'd be happy with that for sure. All right, perfect. Again, everyone, go give them a follow, listen to their podcast, check out Armchair, and uh, thanks again, and we'll talk to you later. All right, appreciate it. Thank you. All right, that wraps up part two in the Oklahoma Sooners. Thanks again, Josh. Stick around for part three. Down. Love lost. Down. All of us. Give me a run for my money. There is nobody, no one to run me. So give me a run for my money. Spin bubbly, feeling lovely. Living lovely. She's love. I wanna be with you. 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 And Bosco's boys are back, and we are continuing our opposing fan series. Uh, we got a special guest for you, representing the TCU Horn Frogs. Why don't you introduce yourself, and we'll kick this off. Yeah, I'm Billy Wessels. I am the publisher of TCU's rivals site, PurpleMinutes.com, uh, also a TCU alum. So I am uh, pretty familiar with the TCU fan base and really happy to join you guys and discuss the rivalry between TCU and Kansas State as much as it is. It's the yeah. best all-purple rivalry in all of college sports, I think. Fordham and Northwestern might be up there. 
But no, nah, no, nah, those smart people they don't know anything. They about don't Ryan. count, right? <laughs> no, they don't. Despite how well they can probably count, they do not count. Yeah, well, you know what? If if uh, if you're that smart, I don't think that uh, you have enough time for petty college sports rivalries. So bring me all the pettiness, please. <laughs> we'll try to keep it relatively civil. So we'll let uh, Grant kick this baby off. Billy, thanks for coming on. I think our matchup could use a little bit more pettiness if you ask me. But um, Billy, give us a brief summary of the history of your fandom, or if you're wanting to remain objective, how you came into your position. Well, yeah, I mean, I'll, I mean, I'll admit it. I'm a TCU fan. I said it a second ago. I went to TCU myself. Um, yeah, so I graduated high school in '04, uh, then went straight to TCU. So the fall of '04 was actually a ball boy. Uh, 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 one of the equipment managers, I guess, for the football team my freshman year, uh, which was a non-winning season. I think they went five and seven or uh, four and eight that year. Maybe it was their one really, really bad year under Gary Patterson. Then I quit, and they immediately started winning ten games a year. Um, yeah, it was just really cool. Like I started following the team really well in high school. Uh, once they made that run, I think they were ten and zero, and then lost to Southern Miss uh, when they're trying to be the first BCS buster. Really, since then, I've been been all uh, bleeding purple all the way through. Uh, went to went to TCU, like I said, worked for the school newspaper, the TCU Daily Skiff. Hold the record for most articles published in the TCU Daily Skiff that will never be broken because it is now a weekly newspaper and not a daily anymore. So no one can touch my record, I don't think, as far as like actual published articles. Uh, graduated TCU in 09, started working for the Four Star Telegram. Uh, right at a college, cover mostly high high school sports, and through working in that way, I found a found a guy that worked with rivals. Did SMU for a couple months, and they said, "Hey, we need help over at TCU site. So you want to do that?" Sure. Uh, so now I've been covering TCU since 2013, 2012 or 13, uh, as far as the team goes. I've been doing the publisher stuff for since 2014 or 15. So I've uh, been a pretty good run. So I've been a TCU fan for uh, I guess about half my life, 15 years now. Well, that's insane. Before I continue on, how weird was it? to be covering SMU for those couple months. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It was uh, the June Jones era. Uh, so I got to go uh, interview June Jones and Cole Beasley, uh, who was playing for the Cowboys. I think a lot, there are a lot of uh, Cowboys fans in my end. I really dislike Cole Beasley because he's always a uh, – I'm, I'm going to say butthole in this interview because I don't know what your language is like. No, say it all. We got, we got say whatever you want. Okay, so he was he was I'm gonna stick to butthole because I don't cuss much anyway. But so uh, <laughs> he was kind of a jerk to interview one on one. So I, I still consider him a jerk, and my friends are all Cowboys fans. They're like, oh my god, we love Colby's. I was like, well, we haven't met him yet. Um, so he's he's a character. Uh, Marcus Hunt, I think, still plays for the Bengals. He was on that team. They had a couple of their NFL guys too. Uh, but it was weird having to drive to Dallas every day for practice. Uh, but the weirdest part was SMU lets you cover practice. TCU does not. We go to probably two practices a year, and that's it. Uh, so it kind of stinks. We don't get as much uh, coverage or as much ability to interact with the players as you do when you cover a team, I guess. And you, I don't know what y'all's uh, situation is like, but TCU is a lot stricter when it comes to uh, player access. I bet you K-State is even more strict, and I'll, uh, you need to talk to our friend Matt Hall, who is now the head of the K-State rival site, K-State Online. Yeah, I'm sure you guys can trade some horror stories about how, the lack of access you get, but I'll, I'll get this, keep this going. Um, I assume you are pretty pleased with TCU's move to the Big 12. Is there any regret on how that move went about, or life in the Big 12? Or are you guys just, you know, happier than a cat with a leak and utter? 
Uh, I've never heard that phrase before. That's so Kansas of you. I, well, I've I never actually, heard that either. I don't think that's a phrase. I literally just kind of pulled that out. Uh, it, I'm looking at my call sheet, and I actually didn't change the wording from that from our West Virginia oh. uh, question. So I was thrown off by my own typo, and uh, I just decided I'd make up some sort of crazy saying so uh, they probably uh, say that in west virginia though as long as burning their couch <laughs> um, well that that's a scott wildcat original feel free to use it whenever you <laughs> hashtag patent pending all that stuff so i yeah i think it's really hard you can't complain about what tc's done since joining the big 12 uh with a, a shared big 12 title in 2014 and and uh i'll go to my grave saying tc was the best team in the country that year and they got robbed of a playoff spot um, but yeah, you, you can't complain. And, and being as I was, like I said, when I was following the team, when they were in the WAC and then Conference USA and then the, the Mountain West and then the Big East for like two seconds before the Big East folded all together. Um, it's just one of those things where, uh, it's, it's, it's been remarkable to see this Big 12 journey and what they've come and how they've, how the recruiting has changed. The players are getting the attention they're getting, um, and the games they're playing in, like out, I'll still say that 61-58 game that lost to Baylor in 2014 was might have been the best game I've ever been to. Uh, that or the the Oregon Bowl game that uh, two years later when they beat them in the in the Alamo Bowl to be down 31 nothing at halftime. Um, just these games and these memories that that I've made. And I'm not even on the team. Just getting to enjoy this team and uh, enjoy my access and, and seeing where the road they've come and the fact that I can I can drive to all these games. Uh, if I wanted to, I haven't, I haven't been to Kansas State Stadium yet, but I could, I could make that trip in a day. You can't do that when you're playing the Mountain West. You can't go to Boise in a day. You can't go to UNLV. You can't go to Air Force. Those are all much, much longer trips. So it's really great to be a fan of TCU right now. I still think about that 6158 game and it's still even as a neutral kind of, actually, I mean, cheering objectively for TCU, it, it still disgusts me. So I can't imagine. How you must feel? Oh yeah, I don't feel great about it, but it it, it was what it was, and uh, I still don't get how there was a pass interference <laughs> sequence there in the fourth quarter that I still disagree with on Josh Johnson getting getting pulled down to the ground and no call, and then on Baylor's next drive, the last drive, the winning drive, there was no contact at all. Yet a pass interference was called on fourth down, uh, but whatever. I'm clearly over it, and it doesn't hurt at all. <laughs> yeah, we're we're all very. <laughs> We're very vocal about hating Baylor on this podcast, so okay, good. All right, I still so think about those from jump. time to time. Yes, we can we can bond over that. Let's throw it back a little bit. K State and TCU have kind of an interesting story that goes all the way back to the end of the 2008 season. Do you recall any of the Gary Patterson to K State drama towards the end of that season? Um, what's your recollection of that? Yeah, so I was working for the TCU uh, newspaper at the time, the the skiff, like I said, and it's one of those things where. I thought it was going to happen. Like it was, we were, we were all amazed at how a how easy the Photoshop was going to be on that uh, with all the purple still in it. But um, it's one of those things where we thought he was just going to go. Like, and and the thing that would have surprised us was, was and, and no offense to Kansas State, but at the time y'all were y'all were good then, right? But not like you weren't back then. Texas was good. Alabama was good. It wasn't like leaving for a much bigger job like we expected Gary Patterson to do. This is it was semi a, a lateral move in a way. Um, and we thought he was going to go. Like, I really did think he was going to be gone. Uh, I had a couple sources tell me he was going, uh, but then ended up uh, staying here and obviously became, uh, I'm assuming him and Bill Steiner might be the only coaches with uh, statues outside their stadium of themselves. Um, I don't know if Bill Steiner has one or not, but I know the stadium's named after him. Um, 
Yeah. yeah, he does. He does have a statue. He does have a statue. So, yeah. he, so he, so he and GP do both have statues together. Yeah, and it would have been going home for him, as as I'm sure y'all are. I mean, you you have to know that he went there. Uh, he's got a whole bunch of roots in Kansas, and uh, it would have been a really cool story for him to go back there where he was. And if can you imagine Kansas State having the success that TCU's had over the last ten years? Um, but yeah, it's it, it was crazy, and I thought he was gone for sure. And TCU fans thought he was going, and the sky was falling all around Fort Worth. Uh, but everything turned out okay for TCU fans, and y'all got Bill Snyder back, so that's good too. Man. I mean, in two, <laughs> it's had a, I would have honestly. I, we would have loved to have Gary back in 2008, and we were not very good 2008. It would have been. No, I, I can't remember how y'all were. Though. TCU was a 11 and two. That would have been a step. I mean, honestly, down in terms of how how the quality of the teams at the time. Right, but you get to go. But are you? It was all about going to the Big 12. Yeah, are you convinced that he's going to finish his career at TCU? Yeah, he might die on the field. I think. Um, no, I don't think he'll die on the field. I think. His contract's through 2024 now, but I think if they win a, a, a national title before then, uh, I think he done, he's think he's done then. That's the last thing he needs and wants to do. I don't think he'll coach anywhere else after this. He could be the mayor of Fort Worth and uh, if he wants to be today if he ran an election. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm convinced that he doesn't coach anywhere else, and he wants to go to the tailgates, and he wants to – he's mentioned before how he wants to go to a, a post-game press conference and ask the next coach questions like we get to ask him all the time. So um, it's – it's fun stuff. I don't. I don't think he's going to coach anywhere else. I think he said by 2024 at the latest. I bet he retires. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if it happened a couple years earlier than that. Well, man, if that's the time, on Bill Snyder might outlast him anyway. He probably will, right? <laughs> uh, so before we get uh, deeper into the meat of this, uh, we've been asking everyone who's come onto our podcast, what has been your perspective of K State football throughout the years as someone who. You know, it has been in Texas, so you've been in Big 12 country, but not necessarily a Big 12-er for as long. What has been your historical perception of K-State, and what's your perception of them as a program now? Uh, Darren Sproles was kind of my – It wasn't he was K-State guy, right? He was kind of, oh, yes, sir. Yeah, yes, he's sir. kind of my – I'm also a big Saints fan. I was, I was born, in, uh, born in New Orleans, so he's got a special place in my heart. But I remember watching him play in college and um, – didn't y'all win the Big 12 Conference title game against Oklahoma maybe one year with him? He had a big game? Or was it Texas? Yep, the, it was Oklahoma, and they at one point were considered the best college football team in a generation. I remember <laughs> the build up, build up to that quite well. And, yes, that was one of the most fond memories of my young K-State fan. There you, there you go. So, no, I've got, I, I, feel, I feel like K-State's a, a good program. I know – uh, last year was rough, but y'all were my my actual prediction to to play for the Big Twelve title game last year. I think y'all were bringing a lot of pieces back and going to do something doing something good. Um, but I think it's I think it's a program that I think everyone's got respect for Bill Snyder. I guess everyone not involved in the program has respect for Bill Snyder. Uh, I think he runs a, a good clean program. I know he's kind of said some things the last year or so, right? That's been a little bit of a attention grabby about not letting kids transfer and some other things like that. But old men gonna yeah. old man things, right? Yeah, that was a. That was unfortunate, not only blocking the transfer, but mentioning uh, some drug tests as well. That was unsavory, but, you know, like you said, he's, a, he's an old guy. We'll give, him, we'll give him a pass for now. Yeah. But it's a school, it's a school I've had a lot of respect for uh, what he's done and the fact that he's done it for uh, centuries now, I think. It's been really remarkable to see what Bill Snyder's done. He is one of the great – he's one of the good – Goats, uh, you got to give it to him. Yep. 
Um, so let's let's shift a little bit to this year. Um, TC the first Big Twelve title game last year since uh, what 2010. Who do you think yeah. will be playing in Arlington this year for the title, and who do you think is going to win it? I think, like everyone else thinks, I think it'll be West Virginia and Oklahoma. Um, I, I had West Virginia first. I've been saying they're going to win the conference all along. Um, but, you know, I said Kansas State last year, and I was wrong on that one, too. Uh, I think my pick last year was Kansas State, Oklahoma State. So I was over 2 there. Uh, but West Virginia, uh, I think, will play Oklahoma, mostly because I think West Virginia brings a lot of pieces back, and they do remind me a lot of Oklahoma State last year as far as having the great quarterback and the great receiver. Uh, the question marks are on defense, but they have a really nice schedule. Um, it plays. They, I think, I think they have all Power Five guys in their schedule, if I recall, as far as their opponents. So it's a tough, it's a tough road for them. But I think if they can do it, they get Oklahoma and Texas at home. I think, or maybe they go to Oklahoma. But looking at their schedule, I think that that lines up well for them to be in the top two. And they have the one proven quarterback in the Big Twelve. I believe in Will Greer and all the steroids he wants to do. Um, <laughs> and lead them, lead them to success. And then Oklahoma. I mean, they have the most talent. Uh, we'll see what Kyler Murray actually is being in uh, covering recruiting in Texas for a long time. Um, I, I remember Kyler Murray going to Allen and, and just wrecking shop there and then going to A&M and uh, not really being happy down there and then transferring to Oklahoma. Uh, if he goes, honestly, he should be playing baseball for Oakland right now, but whatever. Um, if I were him, I would not risk putting a, a – He's what he's list he's listed at what five ten one hundred eighty pounds. He's neither of those. Yeah, I, no I, way. Yeah, I wouldn't risk it getting hurt against some big boy like Ben Banigou at TCU. I wouldn't risk one guy like him falling on him and him being broken in half. I would just take that money and run, go play baseball. You're less likely to get hurt. Uh, but they're, they're unproven at quarterback, and so is the rest of the conference. Really, I think after. Um, after West Virginia, you've got the most experienced quarterbacks at Iowa State at Kemp, who played last year, and then you've got Charlie Brewer at Baylor, who played a year, who played all last year too, as a true freshman. Sam Ellinger at Texas, I don't really believe in. Um, Sean Robinson's really unproven at TCU. He's only played in he only played in one game last year and got hurt in that game. Uh, so who really knows what TCU has a quarterback? Uh, and, and I think all over the conference, no one knows what you're doing quarterback wise. So go with the team's got the best quarterback, and that's West Virginia, and then Oklahoma's got the best talent after that. Well, you're one of the few folks who have gone away from picking Oklahoma to win the conference. I believe you and the gentleman from Texas are the only two so far to do it. That's so, uh, company right there. Yep, props props to you guys. Um, so we, we went into how you think the Big 12 is going to play out. So now, now why don't you give us one guy on both sides of the ball for TCU that Cat fans should watch early in the year and be looking out for when the matchup does happen later on this fall. So on defense, look out for Ben Banigou, defensive end. Uh, he will probably be a first-round draft pick this year. He was mocked as a, as a late first-round pick early in the year uh, by Mel Kuyper, and then kind of his name sort of fall down a little bit. Uh, I think he can get right back into that first-round conversation this year with a big year. And that defensive line for TC is going to be really good again. Uh, no worries about that. They just kind of reload on the defensive line side of the ball. And on offense, look out for Jalen Reger. If you watched the bowl game or watched some TCU games last year, you saw as a true freshman what he could do. This year, just getting bigger and better, and I think he'll be. I think he leaves after his junior year and becomes a first round pick again. Uh, Jalen Reger is just a monster. He's from my hometown of Waxahachie, Texas, also, so he gives a little bit of love there. Uh, but he was a bit of a spoiled brat when I covered him in high school. Uh, he wanted to play quarterback, and the coaches said no. So he played wide receiver, and that worked out pretty well for him. Uh, but Jalen Reger is a, is a, going to be a star, a true sophomore. Uh, for TCU wide receiver, and they have a ton of they have a ton of weapons on offense. I think it's going to be another fun team. 
you know, watch. Probably probably pushing ten wins at the ceiling for TCU this year. Uh, but eight to ten wins is probably the 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 range we'll be at for the frogs. Doesn't sound so bad to be a frog, honestly. Um, so K State comes to Fort Worth all the way in November this mm-hmm. year in a game that I honestly think is going to be pretty competitive. Um, in your mind, what are the key things that TCU need to do to beat K State this year? Uh, well, I'm I'm excited to see. And this is going to sound like a like a pompous butthole of me, but I'm excited to see why you think it's going to be close. I just look. I don't. I'm not that familiar with Kansas State and their roster coming into this season. But I know last year I thought y'all had a lot of talents, but I thought they were a little bit older. Are they are they younger and more athletic this year at Kansas State? I'm honestly not that familiar with the roster. Well, the I, I have faith. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Let's get back. No, you take it, brother. <laughs> all I was going to say is outside, uh, we, we do return almost all of the production on offense, including all five offensive linemen. You're returning three really good running backs. Depending on whoever we put at quarterback, you have the tools around them to do it. And then on defense, you're getting far more athletic at the linebacker and in the interior defensive line. And then we're returning three out of the four uh, secondary players who played most of last season. I think you're even more, uh, you have even more experience on this team than you did last year. Uh, and also, you're going to be able to stick, hopefully, with one quarterback who stays relatively healthy, instead of bouncing around between all three of them like they did last year. So I'm not, I'm not predicting K State to beat TCU, but I definitely do think it is going to be close because I think that. It really is. They are bringing back more starts, more experience, and more athleticism than they had last year. Well, shoot. Well, there you go. I should have picked them to win the Big 12 this year based on that. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that because I think I think we saw last year that you know you can get a little ahead of yourself with with the Cats. I don't. I, I see us you know in the seven to eight win range, but I don't think anyone's going to blow them out this year. Yeah, and that's something about Kansas State in general. I don't think you'll get blown out often. That's a, that's the a thing about um, what the, the, at least the look outside looking in. It's kind of what they say about Bill Snyder teams is they don't beat themselves uh, and they play mistake free football. So if you do that, you're not going to get blown out in many games. I know y'all almost beat Oklahoma last year. That's kind of a crazy ending, if I recall. Um, and and, so, and TCU didn't really play great up there either. Uh, so I think it'll be a really good game. I think TCU wins because they are overall more athletic. Also, the game is in Fort Worth, not in not in Kansas again this year. Um, gives the Frogs an edge. I'm interested to see what TCU does at quarterback. Like I said, Sean Robinson is really unproven, uh, but they're just so fast everywhere else. And and uh, but unlike Kansas State, we have to replace four offensive linemen. Uh, if you bring back everyone back, we we have to replace a whole lot of people. There's big and there's talent guys there, but they don't have experience. But hopefully by that stage of the year, late in the season, I think it's week nine or ten, they play each other. It's November third. Um, that they'll be better and, and more developed and ready to go. Uh, but I think TCU's probably, like they've been the last couple of years, just too fast, and I don't know if Kansas State can keep up with them. I think so I would give TCU the edge, too, and that defense is going to be really good, too. Uh, so go off quarterback questions as well. That probably gives an edge to TCU. So you, you laid out, uh, for the most part, and I don't disagree with why you think TCU will win that game, which kind of spoils part of uh, a question we'll ask here in a second. <laughs> but if K-State were to pull off that upset down in Fort Worth, uh, what would that game have to look like for K-State to pull it off? I think TC would probably have to turn the ball over, I'm going to say, three times. Because, uh, like I said, questions at quarterback. I just think when TC gets the ball, they're going to be too explosive, and they have – 
the the question's a quarterback, but say Sean Robinson sucks, uh, TCU's pretty set at running back too with Darius Anderson and Shaywell Lonalua. And uh, Shaywell is built like uh, former Heisman Trophy winner Derrick Henry uh, from Bama. And Darius Anderson's built sort of like LaDainian Tomlinson where he can kind of uh, jump cuts and make great moves and is really fast and explosive. So I think even if the quarterback sucks, he might throw 10 passes that game. As long as the running backs hang on to the football, I don't know if they're going to be able to stop those guys. I, I, I think it's going to be a sloppy, sloppy game by TCU. And since we just said Kansas State doesn't hurt themselves, uh, it'll, be, it'll take some major mistakes by TCU for Kansas State to win that game, I think. I think it'll be close. Like, I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout. Uh, but I think TCU does win by probably double digits. It's probably 10 to 14, though. I, I don't disagree with you. I do, it, I do think it's funny that almost everyone we've had on that probably has an edge on us in terms of 50-50 tend to say, like, we need to turn the ball over at least two to three times, and that's throughout history what Kansas State is great at making teams do. They make teams play sloppy, so we'll see what happens. I don't know if we're going to have the guys that tend to make those big plays, uh, those those guys that make the difference like we've had in the past, but we'll see. I do I do give also TC the edge, to be, to be completely honest, so... Um, so we're going to go on the record a little bit more here. Uh, real quick, give us your predictions for these three things here. Number one, official official score prediction for our game. I'll say a, uh, I said 10 to, four, 10 to 14 points. Let's go something weird like 33-21 or something like that. So, okay. TCU. Number, number two, TCU final record. Nine and three. And, probably win the probably win the bowl case, game. Okay, 10-3. That's fair. Number three, K State's final record. I'm looking at your schedule now. I hadn't had a whole lot of chance to to look at it yet. Uh, I think you beat South Dakota. Probably beat Mississippi State. So there's two and zero. UTSA three and zero. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Wow! Suck it, Mississippi State. There you go. You're the first Billy. one to predict that. I love you, Billy. Billy, if man. we beat Mississippi State, then watch out for the cast this year. There you go. You know how good they are. I'll do it. I'll stick to them. They they lost their coach. That's their first big game, probably on the road with a new coach. Um, I think they bring back their quarterback, right, who wasn't bad, if I recall. But I honestly know nothing about Mississippi State. But you've convinced me that Kansas State's going to be good this year. So hell yeah, hell yeah. Bill. Okay, I'll, I'll, gi- I'll give you we'll three and zero. We'll lose to West Virginia, three and one. Uh, screw it. Beat Texas. I hate Texas. Four and one. Yeah, suck it, Texas. Beat Baylor, five and one. Oklahoma State, I'll give it to y'all too. Six and one. Oh my gosh. Oklahoma, that's a loss. Six and two. At TCU, that's a loss. Six and three. Home Kansas, the seven and three. Uh, Texas Tech, you'll beat them. There you go. Hold up. Did I say, what, nine and three again for y'all? Woo, I'll take it. Eight and four, nine and three. I'll take something like that for y'all. Sure. I I will take nine and three, finishing third in the conference, tied with you guys. Uh, I'll I'll take it right now. I'll take, I'll take, yeah. Gave it to me. <laughs> there you go. All right, Billy, you've you've quite endeared yourself to us, and I'm sure to all the rabid boneheads out there. <laughs> um, so just just first off from my end, thank you for coming on. Again, tell all of our listeners, A, where they can find you at on the Rivals Network, B, where they can find you on Twitter, and C, Give us your home address so we can all throw a party at your place when K-State goes 9-3. and three. Yeah, y'all can definitely uh, hit me up if y'all come down to the game. For sure, we'll definitely get a beer or something. I got no problem with that. And I have, I think, two couches in my living room. So if y'all want to come crash, you're more than welcome to. Uh, but I'll 
we'll give you that to you off the air if you like. Um, uh, as far as uh, on the internet, I'm uh, at Billy Wessels. That's W E S S E L S on Twitter. Also at TCU underscore Rivals. If you want just TCU stuff, um, that's that's the TCU Twitter handle. Uh, I don't know Billy Wessels on Facebook. Scoop underscore it on Instagram. So you know I'm, I'm I gotta keep keep a uh, Keep up the millennials these days. These kids you guys got, all your social media and whatnot. But, yeah, uh, that's it. If you all make it down for the game, let me know. I'll definitely get you all a beer or something. Perfect. Uh, we might have to make it down to Fort Worth so we can take you up on that. There you go. Billy, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, that sounds uh, if great. You ever need, if you ever need anything from us, let us know. And then otherwise uh we'll see you on the internet and maybe in fort worth yeah sounds good i'll hit you up and we uh we do a, we do we try to get a guest on for our podcast uh we're purple minutes podcast on uh, itunes too there you go um if you want to check that out see what i talk about more tcu stuff we might get you on for uh our show before we do it the week before the game though so sometime in uh, october or so perfect let us know we'd be happy to help you out and then uh who knows we don't actually know 100 percent what our format's going to look like in football season because we've only been rolling for four months, so we yeah. might have to ask you back on come October, November. Hey, let me know, man. I saw y'all got started around the, the was it the Elite Eight run y'all made it to this year? Good stuff, man. Yeah, we started right before we played Kentucky, uh, which was an amazing game, and then Grant and I both stupidly packed our bags, went down to Atlanta, and then promptly <laughs> wanted to cry our eyes out. But, you know, that's sports, right? That's the way sports goes, man. It, it wouldn't be as fun without the heartbreak, too. Exactly. Well, thank you again. Uh, we appreciate it. And, uh, again, all the boneheads, make sure to throw him a follow. Give his TCU podcast a listen. We ride with Billy. And, uh, again, I hope TCU has a great season outside of uh, that faithful game versus <laughs> our, your uh, purple rivals. There you go. Have a good night, y'all. All right. Thank you. And that's going to wrap up part three of four of the Opposing Team series. Special thanks to our guests. Um, be sure to check those guys out on social media. And thanks to Scott for going solo when I cannot be on. We hope you guys are enjoying the show. Follow us on Twitter at Scott Wildcat and at Grant underscore KSU. We will see you next week with part four. Meet me at the Cathead. Matt and Flando, this song's for you.
Podcast Network.